Alabama had a scrimmage on Saturday. Who do we think stood out? Who do we think uh, maybe didn't perform quite as well? Also, a couple of commitments from Saturday. We'll give you our thoughts on those. Here we go. Locked on Bama. Locked on Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Yeah, I'm doing, uh, doing good. Doing good. Good. We had a huge scrimmage this past weekend. Um, you know, I think I'm going to save some of this commitment talks. We've got a couple of days left at marinate. I think I want to stay fully on the scrimmage for this particular podcast because there was a lot of good stuff from there. Um, first and foremost, the name that apparently stood out the most in the scrimmage, and it maybe stood out the most is the wrong word, but I think um, that the name that probably pops off when it comes to what Saban said, what the reports are saying, is Kobe Prentice. You know, Kobe Prentice, Saban mentioned he had five catches. Um, this is a guy that we have not spoken a, a lot about. We have not talked about him as a, a, a guy that could potentially be getting some minutes if, you know, if Tyler Harrell, JoJo Earl aren't available to go for whatever reason for the first couple of games. Um, but Kobe Prentice apparently had a good game, and I think that's very, very positive. It's a huge uh, positive, and it is a surprise just simply because that's not a name that would have we would have guessed, you know, in terms of like, hey, let's even come up with some surprise names of, of guys who would stand out. Um, I, I'm most impressed, not that he caught five balls. That can mean nothing. I mean, most people, you have to understand how these scrimmages work. It's it's not just a game, and it's not just to throw anybody out there. They they they. It depends on whether you're on the first team, second team, or third team. I mean, that's how these scrimmages work. And it's the first team offense against the second team defense. And it's the first team defense against the second team offense. And then getting very few minutes, sometimes they do threes versus threes. That's why one of the reasons, in my opinion, (laughs) they don't release scrimmage statistics is because it would really confuse people. They would see pretty decent numbers put up by third team guys on offense or defense. But the fact of the matter is they did it against the other true freshmen and, and walk-ons. Uh, it's not as significant. Uh, so I think the real question, and we don't know this, is, okay, Kobe apparently caught five balls per, per scrimmage reports, and Nick Saban mentioned him. Did he do this against the number one defense when he was playing with the second offense? If so, that's, like, crazy impressive. Did he do it with the first-team offense against the second-team defense Slightly less impressive, except for the fact that he was actually getting snaps with the first team. Or did he do all of this in threes versus threes? And if that's the case, this would mean very little. I also doubt Nick Saban would mention him if it was threes versus threes. And then there is a clip that Alabama released uh, from the scrimmage that shows him catching a ball. uh, And it looked to me like Christian Story was covering him, uh, who's a a two. Christian Story's probably with a two which would lead me to believe that Kobe was with the ones, which is like crazy impressive. So pretty much any way you slice this up, I I agree with you, Luke. I think that if he's not the number one story, he's really close to the top. I'm sure JoJo's injury opened the door for Kobe. I'm sure that helped Tyler Harrell's uh, iffy health, probably another thing that helped 
uh, with Kobe Prentice, but heck, if your takeaway is just Kobe appears to be ahead of the other freshman receivers, that in and of itself is a big story to me. Yeah, that is a, a huge story. I'll tell you something. Look, Kobe Prentice, he is trained by Mike McCoy, um, which is also interesting, who played at Alabama. And you know what I remember about Mike McCoy? First of all, I remember Alabama really wanted him out of Mississippi. Uh, but you remember the blackout game where Alabama was clicking on all cylinders and there was a play where Mike McCoy caught a pass and he sort of ran out of bounds versus taking a, a maybe taking a defender on and getting a few extra yards. And I remember our coaching staff losing it, saying, like, no, we, we're trying to set the tone just plow through in this particular instance. Um, I, for whatever reason, that's what stands out. I, I don't know why. But Mike McCoy doing really well, um, has a training facility, I think, in Bessemer. And I know he's been training Kobe Prentice, which is cool. You know, Bama on Bama help. I like that. Um, then Treshawn Holden, another story from the wide receiver position to me. Um, this is a guy that I, we've been waiting to sort of see break out. Uh, th there was a really nice catch you see him make on the, the very limited highlights the university puts out. Um, he did have a – what was it, a touchdown catch against Mississippi State, I think, late in the game last year. So uh, maybe Treshawn Holden is coming into his own. Well, I'm, I'm less surprised that Holden would, had a good game. We've seen Holden play well before. People forget – now, he hadn't caught a ton of balls, but I think off the top of my head he caught 24 balls last year. But that was that, that was not garbage time. He caught 24 balls playing with the first offense. I think with him, it's just a matter of gaining separation. I, I think uh, any frustration has been that uh, when Treshawn plays and, you know, just, just, you know, trouble getting open, you know, welcome to the SEC. It's not an easy thing to do no matter who you're playing in this league. Uh, but it, it shouldn't be a surprise if Treshawn Holden is pretty good most players get better year to year. Most players do. I, I know people get frustrated. They look at depend on numbers or whatever they look at, but it's just a fact that the vast majority of players at Alabama and even elsewhere, they get better year to year. And uh, Treshawn made a big jump from uh, from 20 to 21. I don't think we should be surprised at all if he, if he makes another leap forward in 22. To me, that would mean uh, getting open, getting open more often. It's not necessarily – making a play, catching a ball and running 65 yards. It's just about, hey, uh, you know, he, he beats his defensive back that's covering him and, and, and gives Bryce a, a, a clean, big target. Uh, not surprised that Holden would do well. Where I would be surprised, Luke, because if he did so well that he sort of became wide receiver one or wide receiver two, that, that would be pretty surprising to me. But I fully expect Treshawn Holden to be in the first team rotation. He was last year. Yeah, and I'd like to see him there. Man, and it feels like Treshawn Holden hadn't been at Alabama that long, but I guess he has been at Alabama that long. I mean – Year three, right? I think I think 20 was his first season and 21 was his second. So this is year three, and, of course, the COVID year doesn't count eligibility-wise. So he could be here for even a long time after this year if he chooses to. Uh, but, yeah, and, and I think one of the reasons, Luke, that we feel he's been around is he's been – I don't know if significance the right word, but, but he's been – present and accounted for you know uh for, and, and this is his third season and if it, it's two seasons in a row with the first team rotation at wide receiver you know where I think Trey Sean myself is is ideal Luke is like 
wide receiver number five or six. And I say that in the sense that uh, he he's real a good possession receiver. He's a nice big target. And uh, I can see him being very valuable on what I call situationally. And those guys who are, that are coming off the bench, if they're situational players, they're extremely helpful. And uh, I think Trayshawn might be one of our better guys on like third and sixth situation in the sense that he's got the best catch radius of any of the wide receivers. I mean, this guy's long with long arms. Very first time I ever saw him in person in pads, Luke, I, I, from far away, I thought he was a tight end. I mean, he's a, he's a big kid. Jimmy, I want to tell everybody right now about LinkedIn. Look, as you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all its cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to and it helps you do it faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions may, and I'm sure they will, apply. want to thank everybody again for making Locked On Bama your first listen. We appreciate you guys a ton. There's a lot of fun uh, for us to do, and we couldn't do it without you guys for reals. Um, Jimmy, let me stop the uh, – this. I guess this ties into the scrimmage. Whenever uh, a listener writes in – I always want to respond to this. This is Cameron Bishop, a loyal listener who writes in says, can you and Jimmy speak on potential offensive play calling? Do you think we will do more RB screen passes due to the lack of experience with the wide receivers and with uh, JoJo Earl's injury? Uh, good question. Uh, my answer, Jimmy, and you can expound, would be, look, I, I expect when you have a quarterback like Bryce Young, I, I think that he can make receivers better. Um, look, he, he had a fabulous receiver receiving core last year. There's no doubt about it. But uh, frankly, if you go back and look at the national championship game, he no names being said, but one of the names that I might say or that I would say might have just gotten in trouble at another university he might have just transferred to. Um, Bryce Young was putting the ball on the money and, and uh, the receiver just didn't make the play. So I, I think that um, – we don't necessarily have to dumb down the offense. It sounds like that's what he's asking. I don't think that's what he's asking. But let me also say this. When you have a threat like Jameer Gibbs, and I think Jameer Gibbs is a, an incredible threat out of the backfield, um, I think you will see some more screen passes potentially. Look, the screen game really didn't – boy, maybe I'm just remembering this wrong. I mean, you could have false memories here. But I don't remember a lot of screens late in the season. I mean, it, that wasn't necessarily Brian Robinson's forte. Um, I don't remember him being like a great pass catcher in, anyway, but I don't remember throwing him a lot of screen plays. I think we can do that more with Jameer Gibbs, not because we're dumbing the offense down or because we think of lack of leadership uh, experience in the wide receiver slot, but because um, Jameer Gibbs is such a threat, you want to get him the ball in open space. And if you can make him go one-on-one -on -one with a linebacker or something, you don't want to wheel route or whatever, I think we'll see a lot of that. Yeah, really, uh, to, to your last point is where I really agree. I do think it's a great question, and, and I think that question really helps illuminate what, what I, I suspect is going to happen this fall on offense. Bill O'Brien is a good offensive coordinator, despite 
some opinions. I think he's really good, frankly, because he's a complete expert. I mean, he's an expert offensive coordinator. He would be potentially hired by any of the 32 NFL teams as an offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. Uh, and he could potentially be the offensive coordinator for any major college program. I mean, he, if Alabama dropped him <laughs> as an OC, he'd be in high demand. As a head coach, uh, I agree that's going to be, uh, you know, beauty in the eye of the beholder. But as an OC, I think he would be unquestioned, probably the hottest name on the market. So he's a good offense coordinator. And what good offensive coordinators do is build an offense around what the offense does best. You don't try to stick the players, the square players into your round holes. You fit your offense to fit them, what they do best. And here's a fact. I think, despite the fact that Bryce is the best quarterback in the country, and I believe that, the best play in the playbook this fall, I mean, in terms of like what works better than anything else is going to be a a throw to Jameer Gibbs. That, that's going to be the play that works from game one through however many games Alabama plays. So, yeah, I think there's going to be a ton of it because it's what Gibbs does best. It's Bryce throwing the football. It could be screens. It can be checkdowns. It could just be the play that's drawn up. It could be wheel routes. And I understand there was, there was one uh, this weekend. Uh, and, and with Jameer, we're going to see it a ton. Um, it could be Jameer split out wide. Uh, we, we could line up with two tight ends, and, 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 and then Jameer goes in motion and lines up in the slot, and he runs around against a DB and gets open, and we throw him the ball. I mean, Jameer Gibbs as a pass receiver to me might end up being what amounts to the number one play in the playbook, and we're going to see it a ton because Jameer is so good, and secondly, we have a quarterback that can get him the ball. And third, generally, generally, running back routes don't take as long to develop as, as other plays. So even with an offensive line that's sort of developing chemistry, because I, I, I'm sensing we probably won't settle on a five until late in camp, uh, I, I, I think we're going to be throwing it to Gibbs a ton. More good news, Gibbs' primary backup is probably going to be Jace McClellan, also an excellent pass catcher. You don't have to change what you're doing on offense when Gibbs is out and McClellan's in. Well, not only that, uh, Trey Sanders is a pretty good catcher. Now, yeah. again, he, he, Sanders has all the talent in the world. We know this, but it, it seems like he, he can be rather snake bit at times. So uh, Jace McClellan also coming off an injury. But uh, but I think the this core of running backs is overall better group of receiving running backs than, than last year's. Uh, that was led by Brian Robinson. I don't. I don't think that's a stretch to say that. No, I totally agree. Uh, while, while Brian could catch the ball, and he, he wasn't bad by any stretch, it was never going to be the number one thing we did. The number one thing you do with Brian Robinson is run power plays in the tackle box. I mean, that's that's the number one thing you do. Is you should run the power play in the tackle box, knowing that the one unblocked player is very likely to be run over. <laughs> you know, by Brian, that, that was the best play in the playbook when B-Rock was in there. I think the best play in the playbook when Gibbs is in is going to be get him the ball when he's in space and not necessarily those, those power plays in the tackle box that we're in with B-Rob. We'll still do that, but they're going to be more rare and they'll be generally replaced with how are we going to get Gibbs the ball in space? 
even if it's just a pitch, and, and, and I, I bet you to some extent the tall sweep is back because Gibbs will, will beat people to the corner. By the way, um, as we end this segment, congratulations to Brian Robinson on scoring a touchdown in the preseason. I mean, you don't really get credit, I guess, in the record books or anything. Technically, it's his first uh, – or untechnically, it's his first touchdown in the NFL. He had six carries for 26 yards, um, which is the most Brian Robinson of days and a touchdown. I mean, that's that's – Look, that's not a bad day in the NFL. That'll get you playing in the NFL for several years. So kudos to Brian Robinson playing for those commanders, getting that touchdown. Uh, happy for you, big man. Now, I need to tell everybody about Built Bar. Look, I love these Built Bars. They're absolutely delicious. They're nutritious. If you haven't tried the Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. I'm not being hyperbolic there. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Are you ready for this? It's delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite. Cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All of the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it. Plus, it's healthy for you. Cookie dough chunk puffs are only 160 calories, and they have a whopping 15 grams of protein in them. That's crazy. Run to Built.com to snag a box for you and the fam. It'll be a perfect treat for you and everybody. Or you can find a really good hiding place and just hoard them all for yourself. I'm not going to judge you. If you're going to look... Not if you're going to, you are going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff. I promise you, whenever you need a snack, this will be your go-to bar. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKEDON15. That's 15% off your order if you use promo code LOCK15 at built.com. LOCKEDON15 at built.com. Send us a picture with you ordering it, and we will give you a shout-out of some description. I don't know if that means anything. Um, okay, uh, let's talk about... You know, I really want to talk about some recruiting stuff, but I think we need to keep it with the scrimmage. So let's do um, defensive backs. That was another story of the scrimmage to me. No Kyrie Jackson. He had a uh, groin situation. Uh, that never sounds good. If it keeps you from doing something, whenever somebody says, I got a groin situation, never good. Never good. There's um, a minor one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If it's a groin situation, you probably want it to be a major one. Um, but uh, Terry and Arnold had a big day. This is a guy that's making a move, Jimmy. Um, he's moved to cornerback. Uh, some people think he may get even more playing time than Eli Ricks, even though Eli Ricks is getting all this pub uh, on these preseason draft watch boards. Um, you know, Terry on Arnold is making a move. This guy's a super, super athlete. Uh, wouldn't shock me at all if he trotted out there alongside Kool-Aid as the starter. Well, yeah, I mean, due to injury, I mean, I think Kyrie, if he was healthy, he would have started this weekend, and I suspect that Kyrie is still ahead of Terry and Arnold on the pecking order, but I'm super high on Terry. I never, never have not been. Uh, he just has yet to have an opportunity. It appears that opportunity could come knocking now uh, with Kyrie out and Ricks, you know, which is one of the more interesting things on the team. Uh, anybody out there that thinks Eli Ricks was overrated uh, no, that's not even remotely true. He was literally an All-American at LSU. Literally, not preseason All-American, postseason All-American as a true freshman, third-team AP All-American. So look, Ricks is on all those mock drafts because we've already seen a healthy Eli Ricks playing the SEC. But what's happened here, apparently, is uh, you know we heard his shoulder missed half of last season, and the shoulder injury was so bad he's missed a lot of time. Uh, and I don't mean he's missed practice, although he may have. He's obviously missed a lot of time strength conditioning. 
He's missed a lot of time with the team. Uh, that has put him behind in terms of learning the defense. Yes, he's a junior. Yes, he's played in the SEC for two years, but LSU doesn't play Alabama's defense. You know how Henry Toho Toho came from Tennessee? He was playing Alabama's defense up there because Jeremy Pruitt ran Alabama's defense, you know, at Tennessee. Eli Ricks was, has to learn, like a freshman, everything all over again. And, and, and he hasn't been healthy uh, during this period of time. And I think the combination of those two things have set him back. Now, I personally believe Ricks will be healthy and he will learn it. And when that happens, he will be a first-team cornerback uh, on this team. He's just too talented not to. But in the meantime, someone else has to be out there. Kyrie would be the choice, but Kyrie has the major groin injury. As we explained, all groin injuries are major to us. And uh, if Kyrie can't go, then Terrion Arnold's going to go. And interestingly, I don't think he's going to play his way into the conversation, but Antonio Kite, who, who was, who was a safety, he was supposed to come here and play safety. Uh, he's a corner and, and, and coach Saban said something nice about him, you know, taking a quick, uh, he's taken a, a, a real quick, uh, he's just been a quick study at cornerback, but sometimes a corner and safety, you never know. Taron Arnold was assumed by everyone to be a safety. He's been a corner at Alabama. Devontae Smith was uh, recruited. Everyone thought he was a corner. He's been a safety at Alabama. Antonio Kite comes in. Uh, we, we think he's going to be a safety, get a couple injuries. Now he's a corner. Uh, the good news is Alabama recruits so many impressive athletes. Uh, they're sort of interchangeable back there because they're they're all long. They're all sort of bigger guys, and they're certainly fast and physical. So a lot of the corners can move to safety. A lot of the safeties can move to corner. Jimmy, um I want to save some of the bigger topics for the next podcast when we talk about this scrimmage, like how the offensive line did, maybe some of the backup quarterback talk. I mean, look, we all know Bryce Young's a superstar. I don't even think Will Anderson even scrimmaged. I don't think he did. Did he? Uh, there, there were conflicting rumors about that. We have no statement from Alabama. Yeah. And it wasn't, okay. uh, I, I've, I've heard he played uh, a few snaps. That, okay. would, that would have been for a couple of reasons. I mean, first of all, Will Anderson – isn't learning the defense. Secondly, in terms of big news from Will at the scrimmage can only mean one thing, it's bad. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And third, I'll be totally honest, I mean, we're trying to find tackles and, yeah. and, and them getting their butts handed to them every snap by Will Anderson isn't helping them become better players. I've explained this before. Iron sharpens iron, but the second piece of iron has to be in shape for it yeah. to – I tell people all the time, yeah, if you can hit a, a, a baseball pick, pitch by Matt Scherzer, if you can do that, you can hit anybody in the world. So it makes a lot of sense to take batting practice off Matt Scherzer, right? Well, if you're learning to hit, don't learn how to hit from Matt Scherzer. You'll never get a hit. And then you'll never believe you'll ever hit a ball in your life. Uh, it, it, so Will Anderson can wreck the confidence of a young tackle. So I think for all those reasons, it makes sense to me that he wasn't out there. No, I totally agree with that. And and look, I've been thinking that for a while. It's not only just Saban's not the kind of guy who's going to say, okay, um, I'm doing this because of injury risk. I mean, he's he's proven time and time and time again. He's like, I'm going to coach the way I coach, which is leave the starters in probably longer than you think I should, um, make everybody earn their spot every year, whatever, even though we know Will Anderson's going to start and be a superstar. That's not in doubt. Um but I think it's more a situation, like you said, of going up against him 
every day. It, the iron shoppers, I'm in the iron business. Not all iron is created equal. <laughs> you know, that's a good little saying, but uh, it's not the same all the time. Well, so, um, Bill's a one, right? So the ones generally plays against the twos. The number two tackles, to my knowledge, and I don't know, I wasn't there. I didn't even talk to anybody that was there. I'm just going by rumor, uh, and I don't know if it's true or not, but apparently the number two tackles were Tyler Booker and Tommy Brockermeyer. They, they don't need to be out there blocking Will Anderson. It's no, not. but I, I love it that they're out there. Oh, I it's love it that they're out there. And it's good that they even get to block Dallas Turner or yep. Chris or Keanu Cope. Or, I mean, we have a, a solid room out there that can help them improve, but – no, they, they don't need to learn how to play tackle in the SEC against Will Anderson, just like you don't need your 12-year-old that you're teaching to hit to hit a baseball. He doesn't need to be out there against Max Scherzer. It's not him at all. As a matter of fact, he's going to go 0 for 100 and then tell his dad that he's terrible at baseball and can never play, and, you know, will never play again. Um, your 12-year-old needs to be out there hitting, hitting balls pitched by, you know, normal 12-year-olds. I will say this, when uh, my brother, who's five and a half years younger than me, um, I was probably 14, he was nine or whatever, or eight, and we're playing, uh, he's playing baseball, and so I never played baseball, I don't like baseball, but because I was 14, 15 years old, or whatever I was, I was like, I'm going to teach my little brother how to play and be better, so I mean, I'm talking about, I hummed baseballs at him, and like, then I started doing things like, okay, I look like I'm going to throw it high, and like let it arc in to try and get under it, but I'd actually hum it at his head. And I did that one time and hit him square in the noggin and he looked like a creature from Star Trek, the way that thing swole up. And I guess my point is, it. I, I learned a lesson right then. Yes, I can teach him how to catch without throwing my <laughs> fastball, which is not Max Scherzer's, but it is a, uh, It's it was a fastball 14-year-old versus nine-year-old, by the way. Um, anyway, I have no idea if that story did anything for anybody. I'm sorry. Shouldn't even done it. I feel guilty about it. This is old therapy stuff coming out. I'm sorry about that. That was, that was brutal. That story was, was brutal. Oh man. I, I'm telling you, I've, I, every now and again, I just think back to some of the ways I was a terrible big brother and it just makes me vomit. <laughs> but anyway, Jimmy, that's going to do it for this episode. We're going to uh, get you guys next time. We're going to talk about recruiting. We'll wrap up some more on the scrimmage on the next podcast. So stay with us. We will get to you guys next time. And uh, until then, roll tight, everybody. Roll tight.